RPG lessons learned. When the game is over, when your players are gone, that's when lessons are learned. Hi, Brian. Hey, Nasty. How's it going? I can't complain. Tanner, how are you? Doing well. How are you guys doing? We're good. So We're having Tanner back with us this week to finish our discussion on our L5R slash Rokugan uh, session. Uh, that we ran in D&D 5th edition. If, if, if you want to hear more about the setup and, and why we ran it in 5th edition, listen to the last episode, episode 25. This is episode 26. So, Tanner is the GM from the Shadow of the Cabal L5R actual play podcast. And then, Tanner, if you don't mind, at the end of this episode, I'd love to ask you a little bit about the, the, the exciting new playtest packet from Fantasy Flight Games with their new L5R 5th edition role-playing game. Absolutely. I'm actually set to play it for the first time in about two hours, so oh, neat. Haven't, play, haven't played it yet, but I have read through it, and I will give you my first impressions. Awesome. We will make sure that uh, you have plenty of time for lunch. <laughs> all right, let's talk about... We, we Last time we talked about all the setup for the campaign, when we had the, the, the brief fight with the Lion Ashigaru to get things off the ground, but now let's talk about the actual meat of the session itself. We, we talked about setup. Here is execution. So, Brian... You were given a shinobi mission, a, a secret mission. Boy, was I. To uh, poison, not the daimyo, but but you were visiting an, another crane castle. Yes, I was. Where there was a daimyo that was kind of uh, an, an aesthete, and he was under the influence of some some crane, uh, sorry, some lion courtiers. You, you were crane, he's crane. He's fallen under the influence of some of some lion. Um. And I'm gonna I'm gonna talk very briefly about this. This is kind of an, an adult theme. Our first venture into adult themes on RPG Lessons Learned. There was a sexual component to that mission. Yes, there was, which I deeply regret introducing into our game. <laughs> any so without getting graphic, any comments on that? Did it feel completely? Did it feel as alien to you as it did to me? Yeah, it it, it was. Um, but you know, we're kind of. We're big kids, and we laugh and joke about things. So this could have been, we could have taken, I could have taken this very seriously and made um, the appropriate, um, I could have had the appropriate level of discretion with how I approached this, but I didn't. And um, Well, I mean, we game after work. I mean, we've had a long day of work. It's six o'clock. We sit down to game. We're all shot. I should have known how silly this was. Like, by even opening the door, man. Can, can we explain this in any way? I, I, I'd really rather not. I have. I just have a quick clarifying question. Yeah. Dusty, was this sort of adult component, was this something that you had prepped as part of a way for them to solve the problem? Or is this something that Brian or somebody else at the table introduced to the table to as an idea? This was dusty. Yeah, I had introduced it as, as a way to resolve the problem. So that there was a poison that was to be administered to the daimyo. Mm-hmm. But the poison, because of the elemental way in which it was created, it wouldn't impact him. It would impact whomever he was intimate with. Interesting. Okay. So it was a way to, to carry out an assassination from afar... With a a vector. And and create some levels of of abstraction, some levels of removal. Some deniability. Some deniability, absolutely. Uh, So I thought it was a clever way to... What I was thinking at the time is, hey, here is a crane aesthete, because cranes are often portrayed as as aesthetes, really into art and beauty and all that, being influenced by a couple of really beautiful lion um, 
courtiers, I keep wanting to say courtiers, courtiers that are there specifically to, to influence him. And the, the poetic justice of Rokugan, let's use his vice against him. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I had this great justification for it where it didn't really hit me. The, the, how the sexual component would come into play, and then at the table, it just, man, it fell apart. I have to say, I think my solution was novel and awesome, <laughs> but it, yeah, at the same time, it probably, uh, it, it doesn't bear repeating. No, it doesn't. I, I will, I will, let's just tell you, that those of you, those, I'm sure people are listening going, you can't set that up and not tell us. Brian put the poison in the tea and poisoned everyone. He gave it to everyone. That uh, that was there. That was there. That was, like was that was in, that was in the room. It wasn't like handing it out like out in the courtyard or anything. But yeah. So w- when the when these guys left the castle and came back, um, a swathe had been cut through the people. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> so. Wow. Okay. That's a that's a, that's a bold move. Yes, it was. Yeah. Anyway, um, back to back to. I really regret introducing this into the game at all. I, I thought it was beautiful poetic justice using this guy's vice against him. If I could go back, I would somehow do that with narcotics or some other vice gambling. Anything gambling other, have been anything other than anything having to do with sexuality. So I, I, I think the lesson I've learned is I'm just going to, even though we're mature adults, I'm going to stay <laughs> no, away not. from even, well, we're, we're not after work, after you're tired and all that. I'm going to stay away from anything even remotely. Anyway, I'm going to stay PG in that regard. Maybe with violence, we can venture into an R rating, but with with anything adult, relationship, intimacy-themed, I'm going to stay PG. Tanner, what, what's your perspective as a GM? Um, that's sort of my default aspect, too, and I think with Shadow of the Cabal, I've definitely kept it that. There was one scene in one of the episodes where there was an implied seduction and affair and uh, aftermath but we faded to black on it so i i'm kind of with you i keep it my assumption is to keep it pg pg 13 maybe as far as the sexual content goes but as far as violence goes i don't know maybe that's just our western morality and what we think is right and wrong (laughs) as far as what deserves an r rating but that's where i go i will say though that is my default assumption. If you're the type of person, and I, you guys clearly aren't, and I'm really not either, but there are people who like to um, explore that aspect of humanity with role-playing games, and it's just another type of relationship that people have with one another. And if your group can handle it, and you you have fun doing it, and everyone's consenting as part of that being part of play, then that's good. But if you're not on the right, you're not all, all on the same wavelength about it, or it's kind of sprung upon them as it seems like it sort of was in your guys's case, then yeah, then it sort of gets cagey and not everyone wants to role play that with their friends after work. But I say that, but like me and Dakota on the show have been doing blind dates with one another, like three times now in, in shadow of the cabal. So like, but that's something I had to, you know, I'm like, Hey Dakota, we're going to sit down and we're going to role play a romantic date with one another. Is that something you're cool with? And like, that's a that's that's a out of game discussion you have to have. I think before. I love that storyline. The way the, the dates are, are are fun and funny, but I love the way you portray the matchmaker. Thank you. The matchmaker I, is amazing. He's 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 such a great character. That's just me not really role playing, and that's just me being Tanner improving. So I think that's why I just I throw him on so easily. That first time, uh, I, I can never remember anyone's name. I, I think of them as. as um, Usagi, I think of them in terms of their animals, and I think of the dragon character as the dragon. I can never remember his name, but when he was first, when he first tried to play hardball with the uh, 
with the matchmaker and he was like no no here's what we're gonna do the matchmaker's like no that doesn't benefit me at all like right. that that hard stop was 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 great great role play great to see an npc with a backbone it, it made him instantly well-rounded Right. And like the whole thing with the Yasuki is that they're supposed to be fun, amiable, but they're also supposed to be kind of scary and devious. And like that was part of his goal was to trick people into thinking he was a buffoon so that he can have his plans on them. We're going a little bit into the weeds here. But we are. Like, we're, we're way in the weeds. Yeah. If, if you haven't listened to Shadow of the Cabal, I, I, I so recommend it. All right. Um, lesson to take away here is, is be careful about the content that you introduce to your game. So, so, so take care. Introducing adult content of any nature, violence, sex, drugs, gambling, violence, vices. If you're playing with a new group of people, I don't think it's a bad idea to, I mean, you guys are all friends with each other and you guys all pretty have a good idea of what flies and what doesn't. Um, But for, if you're playing like at a con or with a new group of people, like say, Hey, you know what? Um, This game is going to have elements of sexuality and or extreme violence in it. Um, we're not going to get gratuitous or gross in it, and it's but it's going to be an element. So by playing, you're opting in to deal with that. And I think just mm-hmm. setting the stage, and you know, like when you when you turn on an episode of TV and it has in the little quarter the the ratings, it says TV 14 DSLV. You know what you're getting into. Oh right? yeah, yeah, I love that. Actually, yeah. this game has an element of playing with new people in it as well, which we'll get to. We will get to that. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip. Spike in the bridge because we, I think we've covered the shinobi to death. Yeah. That, that it, it didn't add anything. I, I think you summed that up beautifully last episode, Brian. It didn't take anything away, but it didn't add anything. So we'll skip spike in the bridge and talk about the duel. So in Scorpion Lands, you guys were given a little gold medallion with a golden scorpion on it to give you passage yes. through Scorpion Lands to to give you permission to go there to find these crane zombies, these crane undead, and you encountered pretty quickly on the road a group of lion bushi. This time, yes, we did beating up on a scorpion. What you thought was a peasant, but was actually a, a shoshiro. But um, these lion bushi, I had just come off of the gladiatorial combat game, where I didn't mention this on, on the PvP game, but I had played monsters with the correct number of hit die. Yeah. So you guys were level seven characters. I had a monster with seven hit die. I had I had a couple of monsters, and the level seven characters creamed the monsters with seven hit die. Yeah. So I thought, okay, hit die are not a good way to do a one-on-one match. I want to have a duel. I should go by CR. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I understood that the CR math was someone who is CR7 would be for a group of level 7 people, not one level 7 person. So I went for each of these Bushi was a CR5 gladiator from, from the players, from, from the, sorry, from the, from the fifth edition D&D monsters manual. And I used this gladiator to fight this duel with Chris's kid. Chris took the bait on his own, challenged the, the, the lion Bushi to a duel. Yes, he did. And what level were you guys, by the seven. way? Were the seven. Seven. Okay. So this CR5 gladiator completely destroyed Chris's Bushi. Wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. And, and it just shows that the, the Tanner, you mentioned that you're not a fan of fifth edition. I find fault with every game I play, and that's just the kind of player, the kind of analytical player that I am. There's always faults in the math, and and fifth edition, God, I cannot balance encounters to save my life. I can't balance them off hit die. I can't balance them off XP. I certainly can't balance them off CR. And this was such a misbalance. I thought I had been really careful about the math, and Chris just got his ass handed to him and as, by this gladiator. And we were RPing, and we were being serious. And and I was like, oh crap. 
So and I, I turned to you guys, and, and Mike was, he just looked at me. He knew what I was asking with my eyes. Yeah. And Mike literally went, do it. Yeah. So Chris died. Oh, because yeah. of because of the terrible math that I did, <laughs> and and fifth edition doesn't make it easy, man, to 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 come up with a balanced encounter. You almost have to adjust hit points in fifth edition to balance an encounter, and that that drives me insane. Uh, and I'm sure someone's listening, going, "He's doing it wrong." Well, I'm putting as much work into it as I'm willing to, and I can't do it, so I'm kind of done with it. But uh, Brian, this is yet another case where we let Chris. So that that Shashuro that had been that they were beating up on. I let Chris take over that Shashuro. So now all of a sudden you guys have a scorpion who's helping you, kind of a local guide. That's a really elegant way to sort of rebound from that. Props to you. Thank you. That's exactly where I was going to go, actually. is It's yet another case of, of me <clears throat> letting a character die, but not wanting to punish a player. And, and and every time I do it, I'm like, oh, phew, thank goodness. It worked out that time. But I also, and it worked out with Lando, too. We talked about that in, in the... Uh, it was less, of a, it was less of a stretch than with Lando, though. Lando, <coughs> Lando worked perfectly, but it was still kind of a stretch. This was not a stretch. This just flowed right into it. Should I punish the player when a character dies, like at least for a few minutes and, and make them wait? Depends on who it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the unfairness of your answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a tough question, too. And especially for a one-shot, I don't know, like, if if this was the final encounter, if this was the climax of the session, obviously, no. Like, don't have him roll up a new character to just exist for five minutes and then you're done with the session. But I don't I, – I would have done the same thing that you did there, Dusty. And I think that's a, re- that's a really great find. But, yeah, I don't have a hard and fast answer to that either. I don't, I don't know. It would have to be – it would be totally depending on – what the circumstances are at the time, how, what the energy at the table is like, if this guy was, if it felt unfair or not, I don't think it, it was bad for you to do that because it was clearly an unfairness based on D and D's fishy and counterbalancing math. Yeah. And it wasn't this, this person at your table picking a fight. And like, if he would have picked a fight with the squad of lion Bushi and he died, I'd have been like, yeah, tough deal with it you, you know what you, you made a poor decision but yeah that if it was more, if you felt like it was more on you than on the player then i have no issue with getting him back in and playing as soon as possible i think the lesson learned here is the same one from our escape from earthport episode which is when you run a one shot have a backup plan for character death and i'm about to run two con games and this is a this is a lesson that i've taken away from those two one shots that i ran with you guys is i am by god going to have some backup characters in a folder so that i can hand them out that's a great idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. So have a backup plan. We'll leave that there. Let's talk about incorporating a new player. So this this L5R game took place over two sessions. They did. And the second session, we introduced Nathan. Yeah. We've talked about Nathan many times on the show, but Nathan's a, a, a good good old boy from Alabama. Uh, you will have heard his accent by now, those of you who follow the show. But we were incorporating Nathan for the first time into our game. Nathan had listened to our recording of Terror on the Kataro. He decided that we were a group he wanted to game with. Nathan's much younger than all of us. Yeah, we're, we're in so, our mid-30s. He's in his mid-20s. Late-20s, I thought. Okay, sure. He's younger than us, regardless. He's younger than us. Um, were you as nervous as I was, Brian, about incorporating a new player? It, considering it hasn't worked yet up until that point? Yeah. Up until that point, it hadn't worked, yeah. Yeah, uh, I really was. And um, can I go ahead and mention the one thing that he did? Sure, the, absolutely. So, the, 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 the Pythagorean, Pythagorean theorem. Go for it. So there was this <laughs> point when he uh, he just started pulling out. He just started pulling out paper and doing math and trying to calculate stuff. 
and there was an attack that he he pulled out the Pythagorean theorem to do. And on one hand, I thought well, that was- let's let's explain this this attack pushed monsters back. Yes, and and the way the language was regarding the the power of the feet, whatever it was, it made it clear that that it propelled them backwards. So he wanted to know if, if he could propel them diagonally up into the air. Yeah. And I was like, ah, if you kneel down, sure, flavorfully, that makes sense. And he propelled them high enough in the air where they, they crested 10 feet, which means when they came down, they took falling damage yeah. in addition to the attacks yeah. damage. Yeah, and I thought, wow, that's really clever, one. But at the same time, do I want to play with a guy who's just going to be, like, trying to game this so often and just sort of think through and bring sort of this weird perspective and i just didn't know but after gaming with nathan now for going on two years yeah nathan's a lot of fun to play with yeah that moment was a huge warning sign for me too i was like oh no another yeah, one of these I, guys i would have interpreted that uh, absolutely the same way that would have been a red flag or at least a uh really session one new game like if i if i was going into a new game i wouldn't do that so Lord, no uh, one of the best things that happened this week for me and it, dusty had already knew about this but nathan was moving to alabama for work and dusty didn't tell me that he found a job here after accepting the job there so he's staying and he, he sprung that on me this week as a surprise that made my day because i want to continue playing with nathan because he's a lot of fun to be around he's a great guy we gave nathan that feedback tanner we were like mm, we're, we, and i explained to me hey flavor math and i right. really don't like messing with the math of the system so, so I, I, we love math we love math but i don't like messing with the math of yeah, the system yes i don't like messing with the rules i don't like slowing the game down that's that would be my concern i don't think like, he did he was he, he was he was quick about it that's yeah th then i would have let it slide but yeah i would have had a conversation with them too and just be like hey it's usually not the type of game we play if you're cool with playing the type of game we play keep coming back if not you know maybe we're not a great fit you mean I like sure would be glad to have you around. Yeah, like That's A squared plus B squared equals C squared is way easier than like trying to do like a long theorem on something that would take like thirty minutes on a whiteboard. I mean, it's it, that was pretty. Uh, he, quick. he did it quickly, but I still was like, mm. but it was like I worried. Oh God, what is he going to do next time? Yeah, exactly. Is, is like is like he's going to pull out like uh, like a quadratic or something, or you know, we're worried that you'd accidentally recruited one of those guys. Yeah, yes. yeah. And, and I read so many things on Reddit where someone asks, "How do I deal with this player?" And I'm always just like, "Are you kidding me?" Have an adult conversation. So with Nathan, we did that. We were like, hey, you know, that was funny. And it's a great story that we'll tell. But let's not ever do that again. And he took that well. And he put all his mental energy into RP and clever one-liners. And, and Nathan's and been a great, great. addition he's, to he's, our he's game. Ever he's great. Since. He's great. So initial warning signs plus adult conversation equals a great gaming relationship. Absolutely. 100%. That sounds like a really good thing to write on a whiteboard. <laughs> yes, I'm going to do that. While I do that, um, let's see, Tanner. When you how do, how do you incorporate new players? You you mentioned last episode uh, playing uh, uh, playing L5R with a group online before you started recording Shadow of the Cabal. Those had to have been all new players. How do you incorporate new players into a group? Um, it's tricky, it, and it's especially well in this situation. It was we were forming a completely new group, so it's not like we had 
an existing dynamic that worked and we're trying to bring in another person in on that. This was a, a group that we were making from scratch. And so in that, there's a lot more room for people to find their niche and to find their role and find how they play off of other people. Um, I have run L5R games with people who aren't familiar with the system, with people who are familiar with the system. So like me and a couple buddies who are really into L5R and bringing in a newbie in on that. And that, that it is a little bit trickier. And I would kind of echo the advice that we had from last episode which is only tell them what they need to know to get by if they have questions they can follow up if they have clarifications they can do that but just make sure like when i sit down i play l5r with a group of new people what i say is hey this is l5r it's a game about samurai um i'm not going to say don't have fun but this game really excels when you adopt a serious tone with it when you adopt this type of tone and you try to play to that tone and make it work rather than trying to immediately flip that on its head. I've played it both ways. I've played L5R Goofy. I've played it serious. It just works better as a serious game. So if guys, if you all want to try to do our best to make sure that happens, I think it'll be a better game for all of us. And just saying stuff like that, like at the top of a session or like if you're going to run it at a convention, that goes miles I'd rather do that at the top of the session rather than have to talk to somebody about not using the Pythagorean theorem at the end of the game. I'm writing down explicitly set a tone. Yeah. And it's to- like you, I mean, we're, we are of agreement that metagame conversations are very valuable. And that first one that you have of saying, Hey, you know what? This works better as a serious game. Try to keep it serious guys. I promise you it will be more fun if it's serious. Awesome. I think that that's that's a great great way to set the tone and don't be afraid of metagaming and trying to enforce the serious tone in game. Just set set it out of game. It works better. So Brian, let's talk about let's let's move into the zombie fight. So we had these crane zombies. You guys ultimately tracked them down. And I had I had read um Enemies of the Empire, the 4th edition book. I I have the L5R 4th edition book and I'd read about zombies and how they work and and they're really animated through Maho, through blood magic. Mhm with these clay masks that are over their faces and you break the mask, you break the magic. And for me to bring that into fifth edition, the mechanic that I'd committed to on paper before I started to fight was, Hey, if they roll a nat 20, if they crit, it's going to hit the mask. I'm going to narrate it, hitting the mask and I'll narrate the zombie being taken out. Mm -hmm. Any other damage that's done, unless it's a called shot on the mask, which has disadvantage. I love the called shot mechanic. Won't, will not put the zombie down. And I decided I, I wasn't going to tell you guys that. I was going to let you figure it out. And you had the fight. I let you figure it out. Um, was that annoying? Because I just I kept having the zombies get up, get up, get up. And until someone finally pulled a crit and you guys put the mask together. And then one of you asked me the question, how can I hit the mask on purpose? And I explained the called shot mechanics. I let you guys work through all that. I've heard other podcasts talk about, hey, don't have one solution to a problem. And for me, the masks were one solution. It's an, it's a, it's an obvious, pretty obvious solution when yeah. you think about it. I made sure when I narrated the zombies that I narrated the mask. Um, in fact, I'm surprised no one took it out sooner. But what was that? Was it annoying? No. It was okay? Yeah. It was good? I, I love the fact that we took a zombie down and it got right back up. That's what zombies do. And had we immediately realized, oh, it's the mask, that would have taken away that um, enjoyment that or that energy that we that we felt from the fact that the zombie got back up. I was like, Oh God, what do we do? I think we've had some encounters in the past where it wasn't an obvious solution. And it's usually something like, Oh, you have to, you have to get like a damage of five or more or 10 or more where it doesn't, 
Yeah, get, 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 get above their damage soak. Yeah. But in this case, it was the mask. No, yeah, the mask. No, that's great. I love that. I think that's fantastic. It was not annoying at all. I mean, that added to the game. It, it, there's a very NES uh, video game, like, shooter-style uh, flair to that that I like, where there's a certain spot that you have to hit. It's like a puzzle fight. Really. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's not about... Once you know the trick, it's just about executing on yeah, exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. And trying to lose hit points until you can figure it out yeah exactly i'm I'm totally behind that too that sounds awesome and once you guys figured out the trick that fight was over in pretty short order thereafter you guys figured out sorry go ahead oh i was just gonna say it works for the world of rokugan too because talking about maho and zombies and ogres and oni that is not polite conversation if your player doesn't if your character didn't need to know that for their job for their lord they wouldn't know it like it's not like today where if a zombie outbreak happened, the first thing I would try to do is hit him in the head, right? <laughs> like, I've absorbed zombie lore. Your characters have not, because it is not a conversation that you talk about in the world. So I think it's cool that they had to figure that out organically themselves, where other people in the world, the Crab Clan, for example, who kills zombies all day, they would have known that right <laughs> away. They would have said, yeah, sm- smash the mask. You should have learned that when you were five. But <laughs> these... these, these pretty nancy boy cranes coming to scorpion land have to fight zombies there i like i like that element of them sort of floundering to figure out what another clan has been doing for generations i love the idea that the crab carry around just thinking about um oh i can't think of the name now half-life i love i love the idea of crane carrying around crowbar yeah crowbars (laughs) which i mean hey a tatubo is not far off it's not all right um that more or less finishes up our session. We we did have an Oni fight that you guys figured out. It was, it was basically a pretty typical um, monster fight for D&D, where I had one monster that was CR7 for for this group of 7th level characters to, to, to fight. That went according to plan. You, yeah. guys, you guys did the usual tank and spank. So the, the zombies were the really interesting mechanic. So that was it. That that was our introduction to, to L5R. Um before we ask Tanner about the new edition of the game, Brian, any interest in revisiting L5R? Absolutely. Uh, I really enjoy... Uh, I, I would actually want to do it in the actual L5R system. That's the next question I was going to ask you. Yeah, I would. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I think before... What were we playing? We we didn't have a campaign going on at that point, did we? we no, we were still doing one shot, one shot, one shot. Yeah. Um, now, I think, especially coming out of this Pathfinder game, it would be fun to do another system. And I... For fourth edition... I don't know about 5th edition yet. I've downloaded the playtest packet. I've looked at the mechanics. I didn't... Was there a scenario in, 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 the, in the new playtest packet? There is. There is one at the end of it. I haven't read it because that's what my buddy is going to be running for us today. Oh, okay. But I know there is one. Yeah. There's a great scenario in the 4th in the edition. Um, what's it called? Quick Start Guide. Mm-hmm. The Legacy of Disaster? Yes. Legacy of Disaster. And, and it, has, it has a ton of pre-generated characters. Like, it has a pre-generated character for basically every single clan and most of the classes. So there's a scorpion courtier, there's a scorpion bushi, and there's a scorpion shugenja. And every clan has those three. So ton, ton of starting characters in, in the fourth edition quick start. I really want to run that with you guys, Brian. I really want to run Legacy Disaster with I you guys. I'll be all about that. I'll extend the offer to you guys, too. If you guys want to hop on Roll20 some night and have a group together, I will run L5R 4E for you guys. And, I would and, do that. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, that would be awesome. That yeah. Yes, we will definitely take you up on that. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll have to talk off the show. Let me get past Mace, because Mace is coming up, and I want to talk about Mace briefly to say I'm, I'm running two games at Mace this year. Mace is the weekend of November 10th, 11th, and 12th. 
I'm running an Avengers game in 5th edition using the Tribalities Avengers build, and I'm running a, a BFRPG game, Terra the Katara, which we've talked about but never done an episode on. I'm running those two games at Mace, and I have a lot of Mace prep. After Mace, so probably even after the holidays, maybe in January or February or something like that, I would love to take you up on that. Absolutely, yeah. I'll say as long as we're uh, plugging conventions we're going to be at, uh, same weekend I'm going to be at Academicon, which is the RPG Academy's uh, convention that they throw in Dayton, Ohio. Oh, cool. I am going to be running Legend of the Five Rings 4th Edition, and I'm going to be running the same module that I wrote to get my current podcast players to stick around. So it must have been good for something, right? It's called Holy Matrimony. Um, you can sign up for that. And then I'm also going to be running Phoenix Dawn Command, which is a super, super cool card-based RPG written by the guy, who uh, Keith Baker, who wrote the Eberron campaign setting. Awesome. I love Eberron. Yeah. I want to run an Eberron game. Me too. <laughs> let's talk about, let's talk about, uh, I keep wanting to say Final Fantasy games. Let's talk about Fantasy Flight games <laughs> and, and the new playtest packet they put out. So, um, Tanner, we, they, they, they managed to, to, to keep roll and keep, but through a cipher, which, which is their, their custom system, through their generic systems lens. Um, what do you think? Were you, were you looking for, for pure roll and keep? Were you hoping for cipher, something fresh? Um, I am really excited with what they're doing. I think that the roll and keep mechanic that they're introducing, it's not roll and keep. It's not roll and keep the way it was in fourth edition, um, L5R. I think that for all the good that that system looks like it is, it's just totally a marketing term to get people like me who have been playing the old game to look into it. Um, it's, it's very different mechanically. It's all about generating um not only successes with their custom dice but you have opportunities that you can roll on dice which let you do other cool stuff like add activate kata or kiho or spells or shuji which are things that hey courtiers get techniques now too isn't that cool guys um and then it's all about generating strife so the idea is that while you're taking these actions as a samurai you're putting emotion into that and samurai aren't supposed to show emotion and if you accumulate too much strife, you'll have an outburst and you'll lose face. And it's really hard to be a serene, calm, cool samurai when you're fighting for your life trying to stab somebody to death. And I love that that mechanic is built off that core idea, which is an idea that's always been in the fluff and in the, the lore of Rokugan, but has never been represented mechanically in the game. Yeah, and in Japanese samurai cinema. Like, like yeah, when I watch a movie like like Thirteen Assassins, it, it's a lot of calm, 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 and then no, I just can't take this anymore, and sudden outburst. Right, and it, that outburst goes into court too because it it makes it so that hey, if another enemy courtier is pestering your courtier and getting him into logic traps and making a buffoon of him in public, your character isn't going to be able to stomach that. You're going to have an outburst, whether that's laughing or insulting him or just completely shutting down and walking out, like. Wait, I, I love that mechanic, and it's executing on something, like I said, that L5R has claimed it has been good at, but never really did. Like, L5R always seems like they, they focus so much on the court and the politics and the world, but there's no mechanical support for that. It says, hey, GM, figure it out yourself, which is not great game design to me. Yeah. It's- um, and you guys had talked about with, like, 4th edition D&D, for example, if you look at your sheet, all it is is ways that you can kill things. Like, there's not that many ways to do it. And L5R isn't that different. Fourth edition wasn't that different. They might have had one or two extra social skills where, like, D&D would have diplomacy or deception and sense motive. But in L5R, you have 
sincerity and courtier and etiquette, but you've kind of just reflavored those. You didn't do anything with them to make them actually matter Mm -hmm. besides designing a world where they should matter. So that's the number one thing I'm most excited about is that it seems like they're finally going to execute on their promise of what the world is going to be about. And it looks like a very complex RPG. It looks like I'm going to have to unlearn a lot, a lot of system baggage. Yeah, I've I've only flipped through the packet at this point, so I'm not speaking terribly in a terribly educated manner, but I was really nervous about the fact that the role mechanics, that was like four full pages in the playtest packet. It was a lot. Yes, the core mechanic has like five steps, which seems like too many. Um, I I haven't played it yet myself. Like I said, uh, I'm about to leave in about half hour, hour and a half to go play it for the first time. Um, I have heard from people who have played it in the L5R community is that it is way simpler than it is worded. And at the table, it flows better than it's worded and they worded it needlessly complex, which is kind of just part of a beta. You know, it's like ironing out those wording and that writing and giving them feedback on that. I hope that is the case. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to play it. It looks, it, it, Looks like it's designed for us and the way that our game plays, which I'm really excited for. Definitely a buy for you or holding your opinion until this game that you're about to play? Um, I'm going to buy it. I want to support the franchise. Even if I end up playing like three or four times for me, like that's enough money for to get my money's worth out of uh, a role playing game. I, I'm too bought into their ecosystem at this point. I'm, I'm also going to buy it no matter what, pretty much. Yeah. I, I love my fourth edition books. I love my first edition books. I'll be buying the new edition. Any plans to move Shadow of the Cabal to, to the to the new rules, or are you going to definitely finish out in 4th edition? So we're definitely going to be recording something with the new beta rules. Um, it's probably going to be a side story to Shadow of the Cabal, um, not with our main characters that we play with. It's probably going to be like a, a side adventure in, that, in the world that I have set up. And we're going to play test it, and it's going to be a really raw recording where we talk about the mechanics and sort of decompress and debrief afterwards and s- talk about what we think. Um, I would love, I'm definitely going to listen to that. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to do it. Um, I don't think we're going to switch Shadow of the Cabal over um, as it stands. The reason for that being, A, I think that, I mean, it's October right now. They just released the beta. The beta is going through the end of the year. So I don't think the book is going to be on the shelves until mid next year, to be completely honest. Um, and I think shadow of the cabal will be over at that point. Um, not the us podcasting, but the story of shadow of the cabal, I think mm-hmm. will have wrapped up. I think we're about two thirds of the way through it now. Very rough estimate. Um, so we're going to stick with 4E uh, until the full game is out for sure. But um, assuming that there's no that I don't find anything disastrous when we play test it and uh, it doesn't just completely turn us off, I think we're definitely going to be switching over because, like I said, those mechanics about strife and outbursts and stuff—that's what we're already doing, but we're just role playing it now. Like th- these mechanics seem like they are designed for Usagi and <laughs> his character and his uh, his very very troubled poor poor brain so we're we're excited to uh, eventually make the switch over but yeah for now 4e is what we're going to stick with awesome and then last thing tanner if you want to i'll go ahead and say to the audience thank you for listening if you want to take us out by letting everyone know where they can find you online sure yeah um shadow of the cabal's twitter account is twitter.com slash sotc pod 
Uh, you could that's the best way to get a hold of us there. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play if you just search for Shadow of the Cabal. And we have a lot of other good uh, shows on our network too, the RPG Academy Network. A lot of good actual play and advice shows uh, that I think that if you like this show, you're probably going to be into those ones too. So check out the whole network and uh, Shadow of the Cabal. Awesome. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening, Tanner. Thanks as always. Thanks so much. So for only the second time ever, we are recording a, a PS, a postscript to an episode. We thought it was really important to, to have Mike talk about his Extra Life campaign this year. Thanks, Dusty. Um, coming up on November 4th, uh, some of you may f- be familiar with Extra Life or not. Um, essentially, it's a, uh, a charity that raises uh, money for sick kids. I'm playing directly for the Levine Children's Hospital of North Carolina. Um, my game day tournament is Saturday, November 4th. It's going to be a 25-hour game tournament because that, of course, is uh, daylight savings time. But um, if you'd like to help out with this, just go to uh, tfradio.net slash EL. Uh, that'll be a link to my campaign page that'll give you more details, and we'll have links to make a donation. And uh, I thank everyone in advance for their generosity. All right, so don't BS me, Mike. How much of this money are you keeping? Zero dollars. All the money goes to kids. Every bit of it? Every single cent. How about Extra Life, the charity itself? Do they keep any? Zero dollars. Every single cent goes to kids. So I pay money. I can watch you play video games, and I can know that every bit of the money that I paid is going directly to a children's hospital? Yes, it is fantastic living in the future. Dude, that's awesome. People call them postmortems, evaluations, appraisals, reviews, retrospectives. We call them lessons learned, and we're sharing ours with you.